0: This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, welcome. Carm Capriato here and join me each and every week for insights from my guest host and an industry first, a live virtual job tour, a take the automotive trivia challenge, unwrap your fortune of the week, and a whole lot more. The video version of this show is on aftermarketweekly.com. We are live from the Remarkable Results Radio podcast studio with the industry's most unique aftermarket resource. Yeah, we do it live here every Tuesday. We have a guest host. We do a virtual shop tour. Uh, We shouldn't be allowed to have this much fun doing what we do in the automotive aftermarket. Look who's here. Mitch Snyder is in the house, everyone. It's great to be here. If you're me, it's great to be anywhere. Misfire the book. You have a copy you can put up and show us here? There you go. And if you've not read that book, Automotive Aftermarket, you must read this book. It was one of those I couldn't put downs and i fell in love with this book it is it's actually required reading for our entire world hey let's talk about mitch and our relationship on the podcast you know we've had mitch uh i call mitch really a legacy influencer and he was with me on uh for, episode 415 it was our first one together mitch and then we did misfire the book episode 468 and the, and then there's a whole bunch more that i just don't couldn't even put up here because it would be like wallpaper because we've done some things together. So thank you so much for that, Mitch. Let's uh, go about uh, and talk about our agenda for today. We're gonna do Mitch is gonna do something he calls shaving off the bottom. <laughs> don't don't overthink that. Just don't overthink <laughs> that. Shaving off the bottom, uh, we're gonna have your fortune of the week. And we're going to have a shop tour. We're going to go to Metri's. Let me show you, if it all comes off in time, what Lemetri's kind of looks like. We're going to go to their Collision Center and their brand new ADAS Calibration Center. And uh, we hope to have Jesse Zeiss and Daryl Amberson from Lemetries on with us. Don't forget, as I said, every podcast episode is archived. You can binge on them. Uh, There's so much to learn, and uh, uh, not only from the guests and, and the wisdom that they bring. Hey, we also do trivia. And and that I get some feedback on that, Mitch, and people say, hey, it's kind of cool, all these really great little trivia pieces. Uh, Our trivia for today is on December 7th, 1941, Pearl Harbor Day, the Secret Service found itself in the need of a bulletproof car for FDR. Who owned the car that they used? You're going to love the answer, by the way. Uh, don't forget, if you're on with us with social media, please give us a like, check in with your city, because we can see what's going on with the social media. Mark Goldsmith, my buddy, Mark. Yeah, your buddy, Mark. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Good morning, guys. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I, I know you guys are friends from, um, from uh, yesteryear. Down the street. Year. Yep. Yesteryear. Another life. The latest episodes from the show this week, two really good ones. Uh, Murray Voth, uh, smart guy, business coach consultant up in Canada, does business all over North America, is really passionate about the customer experience. And he nailed it in this one. And the and silence-based hypnotherapy from Maureen Pisani. Don't write that one off. You say, Carm, what are you doing? You have a hypnotherapist on your show. Trust me, you got to invest the time and listen to Maureen. She was a ton, ton of fun. Well, Mitch, I want to get to you now. Let's uh, let's jump in this uh, whole thing on shaving, shaving off the bottom. Uh, the premise, I love it. Uh, but it's very simple. Everyone's heard of it before. But Mitch, as he always is, he brings a completely different take on a great, great subject.
1: I am involved in a, a small business essentials workshop, and uh, it, it's fun because I'm old. <laughs> as as an old guy, um, I have the opportunity to uh, to sort of watch, watch all of these youngins uh, as they discuss. Their their need to go into business, or things that they they have to change about being in business, and the most fun that I have in that environment is providing <laughs> what I'd like to think is wisdom. And one of the things that keeps coming up in that environment is is customers, and you know finding the right customer, identifying what that is. Mm-hmm. And then stocking your pond, stocking your business with more better customers. Well, the problem is that we have room to take care of only so many customers. And uh, all of a sudden you run headlong into the Pareto principle. Yeah. And for those of you who aren't aware of that, the Pareto principle suggests uh, that 80, the 80-20 rule. That, uh, and in this case, it's it suggests that of your customers are going to be the kind of customers that you love to see come through the door, the kind of customers that make you smile, Um, the kind of customers that make everybody in your organization smile. I mean, you don't have to be a genius to figure out who they are. All you have to do is watch the reaction of the people who work with you. Because if you're inviting people that are malignant into your business, it shows right away. Shoulders droop, smiles disappear, people lose their energy. And that's horrible. And, and the inverse of the the eighty twenty rule, stating that twenty percent of your customers are the kind of customers that you want to keep, the kind that you love. Twenty percent of your customers are malignant. They're you know they're energy vi- vampires. They come into the shop, they steal your time, they steal your energy, uh, they make you miserable, uh, and you wind up spending eighty percent of your time placating. 20% of your customers and in many cases you uh, you actually abandon the really important job of growing the 20% at the top so you're almost you're almost forced to take a really long hard look at your business and figure out how you're going to shave the bottom how you're going to go ahead and and figure out who the energy vampires are who the people are That are making you miserable, that are stealing your time, that are never satisfied, that always want more than they're willing to pay for, demanding more than they're willing to pay for. Uh, and you got to figure out where you're spending your energy. Mitch, energy vampire. I mean, it is, it
0: is such a wonderful collection of words. And, you know, every once in a while, we're guilty of spending energy in places we shouldn't i mean we we go down rabbit holes sometimes we you know we're squirrels and we look for nuts <laughs> we find them and we find them and then we find another one and then all of a sudden at the end of the day there's a collection in the corner but we actually never made dinner but we did collect nuts <laughs> yeah
1: no it's like the question has to be was where are you spending your energy and, and and then it becomes how much better would your world be um if we focused our efforts on the top 20 instead of the bottom 20. But there's a certain element of trepidation that occurs there because the question comes up instantly is what's, I mean, if we all know that we want to get rid of the lower 20%, we all want to spend our time focusing on the upper 20, what's stopping us? I mean, we know what we have to do. It's not Rocket science. You know, you know
0: what's stopping us. I'm gonna tell you what's stopping us. Uh, running the report because we don't want to look at it. Running the report that lists descending customer, and and just do it by dollars. I mean, it doesn't mean that they're a valuable client or not. And then look at the ones that are on that lower part of the list. You'll find the old 80-20 rule applies there too, right? Uh, You know, 20% of your volume, 80% of your volume is going to be done from 20% of your customers, that really top piece. And as you look at that rest... I love your idea. Are they, you know, energy vampires? And that
1: may be a way. I don't think we want to do it. I don't think we really want to do it. The thing that's fascinating is when when I was at the shop, I forced my suppliers to run this exercise because I was convinced they were spending more time on lower uh, return on investment customers than they were on customers that were providing them the greatest portion of their volume. And and uh, I could mention a couple of names of companies and Mark would know who those people were. Uh, but in one case in particular, that supplier had a 1585 rule. 15% of his customers provided 80% of his volume, 80% of his revenue. And it's in, you know, the, the rule is inviolate. It, it, it is something that can't be uh, challenged. It just works all the time. So if you if you run that report and you look at the top names, you'll recognize every one of them. And if you look at the bottom names, you'll recognize every one of them. And the, the question to me, the fact was when I realized all of this, I realized I was cheating the customers that I loved the most. And spending my time with all the customers that made me nuts and uh Those of you who know me know it. I failed in some instances and I'm nuts. (laughs) But the thing that's stopping us is fear and the fear is unjustified. Um, You know, is the fear that we're going to lose our business real if we get rid of these customers? Um, Is it justified? You know, the the funniest story of all, and this is a true story, right hand to God, right? Right. we fired a customer, one of the first fu- customers that I fired back in the '80s, and uh, he was crazy. He was impossible. We got to the point where we were actually let him leave the shop with the tune-up settings on his van set incorrectly, knowing that he would be back so we could set them to spec and satisfy him. And, and I mean, that was a regular occurrence until I finally sat down with him and said, "Listen, we have all these customers. They come in." They smile, they spend money, they have problems, we solve their problems, they leave, they're happy. You come in, you're never happy. I think maybe I can recommend a couple of other shops where you might be more satisfied. So, you know, but from now on, we can't satisfy you. We can't, we can't, we just can't do it. So I'm afraid I'm going to have to ask you to find another shop because. We can't do it. And in the course of the next number of years, he was the single greatest source of referrals to our shop, which was hysterical because people would come in and say, hey, you know, Ed sent me in and he said that he can't come back there. But this is a great shop. I love that story. That is the greatest story.
0: I got kicked out. But please, you got to go see Mitch because he's a great guy. And, and I can't go back there. <laughs> that, that, was, that was awesome. When something like that happens in a positive way, Mitch, uh, you tell stories like that. And, and then you, you, you're convinced that shaving off the bottom is the right thing to do. Because as, as, as Elle said, is your sanity worth a customer that makes you miserable?
1: Well, you know, and and they take their toll. They take their toll physically, not just mentally. So the question then becomes: How do you do it? Because we're all terrified. You know, we're all dealing with this fear that that our businesses will fall apart if we start running customers out. And I'm not sure that you have to ask somebody to leave like we did with with that particular instance. But you can create more positive and powerful experiences. And 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 you really have to go ahead and, and put the word experiences in, uh, italics and in bold print, Mm -hmm. because that's really critically important. That's what, that's what customers today are looking for, especially the younger ones. Uh, they're looking for experiences and you can create more and better experiences at the top, recognizing that that's going to cost more money. So you're going to have to raise your prices a little bit and perhaps cause a natural attrition at the bottom.
0: Look at thanks for, uh, doing this for us and and coming on board, being the guest host with me here and bringing this whole shaving the bottom, or in
2: other words, as Mitch would say, fire the customer. Perfect
0: ending. Thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Hang around. We're going to get a shop tour here in a in a few minutes. I want to wish uh, Thanksgiving wishes to everybody who's here. Warm wishes. Uh, enjoy. It's going to be a very, very different holiday. I know that for sure. We're not going to be as... As close as we were as a family, uh, like we were last year, so th- that's kind of different. Hey, tomorrow I'm going to do a CarmCast with uh, with Laura Frank and Leanne Best. Uh, if you guys follow breaks to uh, breaks for breasts, or you have been a participant, here's the great thing: they reached the million dollar milestone, and uh, I was just so thrilled and happy to hear about it that we're going to do some celebration, and that is tomorrow at twelve noon. Repurpose this Thursday is last Friday's town hall Academy Oh, no, I'm sorry. This Friday. Ah, the 200th episode of the Town Hall Academy. The 200th episode of the Town Hall Academy is this Friday. A blessing in disguise. My biggest mistake. We're going to talk about that. And let me see what else is next, Rick. Um, And oh, uh, buying and, and selling a tale of two deals. That is repurposed this Thursday. That was last Friday. I don't mean to confuse you about all these dates. Every time they drop to your uh, smartphone, just listen to them. (laughs) That's all you got to do. Just listen to them. Hey, it's fortune time. It's fortune time. Let's see if we have some of the greatest words of advice that we ever have. There's been some great ones that we've opened up here, by the way. And you know what? I always have to prepare. Sorry, glasses have to go on to read this. He who is shipwrecked the second time cannot lay the blame on Neptune. (laughs) He who is shipwrecked the second time cannot lay the blame on Neptune. Okay, makes a lot of sense to me. If anyone ever wanted to hear a personal interview that the group did on me, it was episode 300 of the Remarkable Results Radio podcast. And by the way, so that you all know, the 600th episode of Remarkable Results Radio releases on Christmas Day. And we're going to have a really cool uh, episode for you there. But the 300th, uh, that was my special personal interview. And, of course, Make Your Competitor Your Friend, another Academy episode um, that uh, you may want to check out. Well, I guess it's time now to head over to our friends at LaMetri's. We're we're with uh, Jason uh, Zeiss and Daryl Amberson, right? I got that right. Guys, thank you so much from LaMetri's Collision and more in Minneapolis. Oh, we just can't wait to see this. I know this is a new investment for you, and it with with I think, uh, how many collision centers? Ten?
2: Yeah, so a little bit of ours. Uh, little metrics collision up in the Minneapolis Twin Cities metropolitan area in Minnesota. We have ten collision shops, and we have uh, we have a glass department, we have PDR, we have clear guard film for protecting uh, paint jobs, and we also have six mechanical locations. Uh, two of those uh, locations are standalone where they do a mix of retail and collision mechanical uh three of them are located inside our collision shops and they perform um, majority of collision mechanical and then we have right here is our uh, our sick mechanical location which is our calibration center and the only thing that we're performing here is is eight AS calibrations on vehicles collision repair
0: this is a beautiful beautiful center both uh, to uh, jason and daryl and thank you for showing this to us uh want to flip the camera and start the tour
2: As you can see here behind us here quick I mean we've got a a big screen up on the wall here we use that for training purposes displaying uh procedures up on the screen so when we have guests everybody can see instead of crowding around a, a small laptop we can project our our scan tool our repair procedures everything up on the wall here we have a variety of uh different aftermarket and factory uh ADAS calibration equipment here here's a a uh, stand here. With the guys here in the shop we just got done doing a uh, Subaru Eyesight.
0: Could you go back to that target up in front? I have never seen one like that. Yeah, that is incredibly busy. So that says something to the uh, to the uh, computer, right?
2: Yes, exactly. So the cameras, it's actually looking, I don't know if we can focus in, it knows the, the size and, of each one of these little squares and its exact position and the contrast. And so when we're doing that calibration, we're setting this target up in the exact location in front of the vehicle. And on a Subaru, the eyesight camera system up there, this, this stereo cameras, is focusing in and calibrating to that target in the exact factory location. So that's some of the things that we're doing there.
0: And I've said this again, uh, even if you're not doing S calibration as a technician or as a shop, you need to go to training sessions. You need to go to a class or two and learn as much as you can.
2: Yes. Yeah, no, and that's one thing that Lemaitre's, uh collision, Joanne and her sons, uh, Jr. and Randy, they've been uh, really supportive and proactive and forward-thinking when it comes to technology on vehicles and recognizing that this was coming a number of years ago and, you know, investing in the training, the equipment, and the staff to put together a calibration center like this so that we can uh, properly repair these vehicles after a calibration. Um so on this Subaru here, the windshield was replaced, and that's why we did the eyesight calibration up front. And this vehicle is also getting, it had uh, some rear damage. So we have a reflector cone set up here, and the staff here, um, our, our two expert ADAS uh, technicians have calibrated the blind spot that's located in the, underneath the rear bumper fascia for the blind spot awareness. So we did a calibration on that as well. When we decided that we needed you know, the, a truly dedicated facility to just do nothing but calibrations, we toured a number of uh, facilities uh, to look to lease, and we came up with this place here. It's nice centrally located for us, but the big thing is here, the floor is completely level throughout the shop within less than an eighth of an inch from the front to the, all the way to the back of the garage door. We've got plenty of space here. Um, we brought in a fiber optic high-speed internet so that when we're doing programming events, like say if we had to program a module before we did a calibration, we have the bandwidth necessary to perform that without any issues. One other thing that we did in here, you notice that we have no outside lighting. No, you know, we control the environment 100% in here. And this won't work real well with the, with the camera because it's it does adapt but we do have dimmable led lighting in here
0: oh wow look at that
2: we control so the diffused led lighting that's dimmable so that we can control 100 of the environment we have a flat floor we have no outside lighting and we we can control the inside lighting to match conditions for the vehicle to eliminate glare and then items like that
0: Mitch, I don't know if you've noticed, but it is highly organized.
1: Everything has its place. I'm thrilled to see this. This is really exciting. The question I have is is how many shops in the area recognize that something as, in quote, simple as replacing a windshield is going to require ADAS recalibration? Yeah. And what does that add what does that add to the cost of the windshield replacement?
2: It adds cost, but you know, the biggest thing is the the insurance companies and the automotive manufacturers and us as consumers, we've really demanded that, you know, the safety equipment be added to these vehicles over the last, you know, starting with seatbelts and then the advent of the airbags in the early nineties and now with the technology on the vehicles for collision avoidance, lane keep, blind spot, all of those types of items. I mean it does add cost. But uh, I'm—I—I I, I promise you, I'm super happy knowing that my wife and kids are driving in a vehicle there with, with some of this stuff. It is—it is, it is a, a big expense, and you can see here on the wall. Here we've got factory Hyundai and Kia surround view and blind spot systems. Inside these uh, crates here are numerous different patterns for uh, calibrations. I can look here at the back of this. You know, this case here is just filled with various targets for different OEMs so that we have everything that we need here. We can probably cover uh, probably 98% of all calibrations on vehicles that are required. Lots of factory targets, lots of aftermarket targets um, up here on the wall. I'm always proud of this one here. This is LiDAR up for uh, Volkswagen and Audi. And one of the other things here, you know, we've got multiple scan tools, but we also have our our technicians here. They've got two laptops running here. We were running our Audi software, on one laptop here, and this other laptop, uh, it's kind of specialized. It has a 500 gig main drive, and then it has a two terabyte secondary drive that we've partitioned four ways. So on this laptop, we are actually running five Windows Pro 10 operating system so that we can wow. run different manufacturers so we can have our honda software our ford software our general Motors software all on one vehicle or all on one uh, laptop
0: jason it looks like you guys did this thing up right how long has it been in service
2: we've had this facility a little over a year uh, we had been doing some calibrations um, at our uh, collision repair centers and our mechanical facilities where we had areas set up but yeah, we decided we needed this dedicated space here, and we're real excited here. Earlier this year, we just opened up a uh, our 10th location, and it's a little over 70,000 square feet, and we've dedicated a huge space for our second dedicated ass calibration. We've got a space over there. It's about 40 feet by 110 feet, so plenty of area, flat floor. We control the lighting so we're set up ready to go here in the next uh, couple of weeks to launch our second dedicated calibration facility.
0: it's amazing to hear that you're going to have two ADAS calibration centers uh, how far apart are they
2: uh, it's probably about 15 18 miles apart
0: apparently what you're saying to me is that there's going to be enough work to keep them both busy
2: yeah there there, it is, there it is so you know 2018 was that kind of that that turning point where most of the manufacturers started putting a lot of this 8S on their vehicles, and the average repair of the car that you know that we work on is about four years old. So we're starting to see a real big increase in the number of cars worth repairing that are requiring 8S calibrations. Um, here at this facility, we can typically go anywhere between six and ten vehicles a day, and we're averaging about two calibration, two separate calibrations per vehicle. Um, and as that you know that that workload keeps coming in that's why we've decided to open up a a second dedicated area
1: what's been the overall response of the shops in the area surrounding this uh this dedicated shop are they are they um outsourcing this kind of work to you because it would be obvious to me that that's what would be the reasonable thing to do we are pursuing some of that we've reached out to some shops we've done a few jobs for others uh, but as often is the case in our industry uh, competitors are sometimes reluctant to sell send jobs to competitors we do have an independent in the area that runs around and does some of this type of work on a mobile basis
2: and also has their own facility for on-site work and then of course some of the dealers engage in it but it is something that has really become a significant
1: part of the collision repair world uh, not a lot of shops are embracing it to the extent that we think you should, but more and more they are. ICARS are getting more and more involved with training and the vehicle manufacturers are find, frankly, lots of calibrations in various uh, collision
2: scenarios.
0: Well, uh, it, that's too bad to hear that as you reach out to some independents, they consider you as a competitor. Uh, maybe you just need to tell them how much money you've invested. Yeah. Yeah. And let them understand that that they're not going to be able to get into this if they just twitch their nose and it happens. I mean it is you've got to dedicate space and time and money and training to make this happen. And I guess I would be more than happy to give you some of my ADAS calibration business. Hey, guys, we're a little over time, but it was fascinating to see the investment you've made and uh, the level of detail that you guys have gone through. Uh, Great to uh, hang out with uh, Jason Zeiss and Daryl Amberson here at Lemetries, Guys, thanks so much for this. Hang out there with us, please. Be here as we are uh, going to get ready to end. Yeah, next week, Mike Davidson, Parkway Automotive, Little Rock, Arkansas. And my buddy, Matt Fanslow from Riverside Auto is going to give us a tour of their facility. Hey, I have a little tease for you coming very soon, everyone. You're going to be able to actually listen to this as a podcast. Aftermarket Weekly Podcast will debut in a few weeks. So if you not only can't binge on the video on the websites while you're traveling down the road, you'll be able to hear great wisdom like you heard today from Mitch and at least hear the audio of the tour that we get each and every week. Now, let's finish up the trivia. Remember, December 7th, 1941, Pearl Harbor Day. The Secret Service found itself in the need of a bulletproof car for FDR, who owned the car that they used. Well, it happened to be Al Capone, Al Capone's 1928 Cadillac sedan. It was impounded by the Treasury. (laughs) It was the first presidential bulletproof vehicle. Uh, The infamous gangster had a 28 Cadillac sedan. As I said, it was fully armored to protect against rival gangs, threats to his life. It was impounded by the Treasury Department when he went to Alcatraz Prison. On the evening of December 7th, the Secret Service suddenly found itself. It had to protect him as he delivered his famous speech, The Day of Infamy. And uh, when... FDR was asked where he got the car on such short notice. The president famously said, I hope Mr. Capone doesn't mind. <laughs> hey, everyone. Thank you so much for being here. Another another episode in the can. Thank you to Jason and Daryl and, of course, Mitch Snyder. See you next week, everyone.